Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in and around this beautiful blue-green orb. It is the world's only mandatory podcast, the Michael Dupree Variety Hour. And guys, it is New Year's Eve. No, it's not. I don't know why I said that. I got myself all confused. It's actually December the 17th. (laughs) Monday, December the 17th. forgot which episode I was recording today. Oh boy, man, we're almost there though. We're almost to the end of the year, guys. Uh, I'm excited. Um, yeah, we only got two weeks left of this goddamn weird ass year that saw a lot of tragedy, a lot of fear, a lot of scary stuff happening in my own personal life. A lot of wild things happening. Um, nothing too bad. I mean, well, everything worked out in the end, you know, but it's all good now. It's all good. Uh, I'm excited. I'm a big, big Christmas guy. Big fan of the holidays. I love, I love shop. I'm like one of the people that like, really like shopping for people. Uh, I like getting presents for people because you know what? Not trying to flex too hard, but uh, I'm kind of a great gift giver. Yeah, you know, people seem to like it. Ever since I've had a job where I could actually afford to buy presents for people and not uh hardly be able to afford driving anywhere on christmas <laughs> you know minimum wage jobs but it sounds like a weird flex i'm not rich <laughs> i don't buy any means i can just afford to buy a present <laughs> for people <laughs> oh man look at this country <laughs> people are excited about being able to buy presents for people oh man <sighs> here if you've never listened to the mic of the pre-variety hour before it is an art showcase and comedy show where we feature local musicians painters poets artists sculptors and many more uh types of things there we go my headset my headphones had gone into one one side and today is no different because we have some <laughs> I'm fucking up guys i'm checking out i'm checking out of this year <laughs> Anyway, uh, today's no different. We Later on, we will be joined by none other than Mr. and Mrs. Claus. That's right, Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus. Uh, Chris and... I don't know her last, her first name, but Chris and Diane Kringle. <laughs> I wonder if that's her name. I don't know. We'll see. Is his name... What, okay. Is his name Santa Claus? Or is his name Claus, Or is it Chris Kringle? Or is it Nicholas? I never knew that growing up. I never was able to keep it straight about who this ding-dong is. I think it's Chris Kringle, because I think once you become a saint, you get, like, a, a saint name. I don't think your name is, like, Nick or, or whatever. I think his name is Chris. But, I don't know. I guess we'll ask him later. But where does Santa Claus come from, then? Anyway. <laughs> but right now, we are also joined... By uh, Ypsilanti-based, award-winning jazz composer, vocalist, lyricist, and educator, Esther Cohen. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? How does it feel to have award-winning in front of your name? Uh, it feels uh, feels kind of the same as yeah. 
as uh, when you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> Except now you have an award on your shelf. I mm, I did make a physical award for you, myself. You yes, made I did. It. I. Mm-hmm. They didn't give you an award. Oh no! So you did, you're not award winning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, this year I did um, receive an award from the ASCAP Foundation. Uh, they have um, a competition called the Herb Alpert Young Jazz Composers mm-hmm. Awards. Um, however. They did not uh, give me a physical award. Um, well, how are so... you supposed to know you won it then? <laughs> uh, Articles? Uh, a little grant. Listicles. A little grant money a little grant. in my uh, bank account. Nice. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. No. <laughs> Direct deposit? Or do they give you one of the big checks? <laughs> I, I'm i still waiting for that big check. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just given that as an award. They're... That would have been fun. Oh, man. <laughs> you can't. Can you cash those though at an actual bank? I don't know. Oh, you can. I, I'm sorry. You. I, I don't you know. Said, I don't know. <laughs> but someone else in the room is nodding yes. That. that I would must, assume it must have been confusing for us. Annoying for the bank tellers. Yeah. Just because <laughs> it's big. If I ever start a company, that's how I'm gonna pay my employees in giant checks. <laughs> They always gotta. They try to fit them into that little tube they at the in the drive-through at the bank, you know, the little thing. They gotta fold it up and roll and. Yeah, you would be uh, you would be a, a beloved <laughs> beloved boss. I'm gonna start a trend. So they're at the at the bank. They're gonna have to get a whole different uh, place for the cars. So they have the really they have a really big canister for the big checks. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> I, I I will mention that I'm glad I'm joining on a day that you have declared that you're checking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just phoning it's this a... one in. Yeah. What do you do? What's up with you? <laughs> it's good. It's good. I can, can no, be on the we're same having page. Fun. We're, we're having <laughs> fun. I No, I love this time of year. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, a lot of people are like, I don't like the cold. I don't like the snow. I don't like talking to my racist uncle. But you know what? You gotta you gotta find the the, the good things. You gotta f- find the things you enjoy, and I like the coziness. I like oh, me too. The, the hot cocoa. I I also enjoy hot cocoa, <laughs> uh, and um, I also enjoy gift giving. I'm glad to yes. know that you feel that you're yes. a good gift giver. I mean, it can be it can be stressful like during the process, but man, the the moment that your 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 sweet little cousin is I don't get presents from my cousins, but this is just an example. <laughs> you, Slips open the present and opens yeah, it up and just slip just and open they, those presents. Just what they, <laughs> what they always didn't know they wanted. That's the that's the trick about Christmas presents. It's like uh, you can't always get people like I don't like Christmas lists. I'm not a fan. No, me neither. Like, what do you want for Christmas? If you don't know, then don't get it for me anything. I don't, that's not the point. My sister put out a Google Doc of like a holiday gift list uh-huh. for our family. And I don't know, it's yeah. Not, in the not a huge fan. I mean, I guess it's easier for parents who are just like oh, I don't know what toys are in. I don't know what kids my, my kids want, you know. And but it's, and it's like, oh, you buy get some, you know. Sure. That's fine. But you know, it's your it's like you got to be some you have to put some thought into it. Yeah. It's like, oh, you wanted I know you wanted those those Nike Air Balance shoes. <laughs> That's not a shoe. So, it might be. And it is now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like I like the thoughtfulness of it. 
Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you, so you is is Christmas your favorite holiday, or is the are the holidays your favorite time of the year? Ooh, um, my favorite time of the year is any time that I can like find a few days to kind of go away. Yeah, and uh, like spend some time just um, like reading and cooking and listening to music and stuff. Nice. Um, so. Like, uh, yeah, as you get older, those days are so few and far between. <laughs> it, it, uh, it seems like such a simple thing. Yeah, no, I mean, when, when I was growing up, um, we celebrated Hanukkah and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, my um, mother came from a Christian family, and my father uh, was Jewish, so we kind of had that, uh, like duality, um, for a little while at least. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I have four siblings, so as we were getting older, uh, things just kind of uh, fell off <laughs> in terms of all Checked of like out. the yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool to kind of get um, exposure to to yeah. some different things growing up. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so where where are you initially from? I'm from Toledo. Toledo, Ohio. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, what was that? How long did you live there for? Uh, well, I grew up in Sylvania, which is a little suburb of Toledo. Sylvania. Uh, my parents owned, um, a business called the Happy Badger, Mm. uh, in Toledo when I was growing up, which was a music venue and, uh, natural foods cafe and like, uh, fair trade. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was very like dear to them. Um, my dad, Alan, um, Happy Badger was actually his like medicine medicine name, uh, and that's why he decided to to name the business that. Um, but uh, his medicine, what's a medicine? It's name? like a it, so he, they were very much like hippie spiritual people. Uh-huh. So they they met like at a peace conference while they were both hitchhiking wow. uh, separately, and uh, they would go to like the rainbow gathering. Uh, and things like that. But so the rainbow gathering. The rainbow gathering. Oh, this is so fun. We get to talk about this. I mean, I so I will say, like, disclaimer, my parents have both passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. So some of these things is like, you know, uh stuff that I am kind of learning more about them as, you know, as like I get older mm-hmm. and through friends and like through journal entries and things like that. Um, but the rainbow gathering was like a uh, <laughs> like a big kind of community event, like in a, uh, my understanding is that it's like at a national park of sorts, mm-hmm. like somewhere where you can gather like that. Um, and then you break into small communities and like live, like live in a communal space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure for how long, um, I I never got to go, but my older brother and sister actually got to go when they were like young young kids with oh, wow. our parents. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, they were very uh, holistic. Uh yeah, yes, nice. yep. Um, so I got to kind of live um a life growing up like a childhood where I was exposed to a lot of different kind of arts and music uh, because they had the music venue. Um, my older sister and brother were, uh, musicians, uh, songwriters. Um, so in that way, like we were going out to, <laughs> like when I was a pretty young, we were like going out to bars <laughs> and things to see them play. Wow. Um, 
And then I think it kind of sparked the idea for them to create their own music venue as their kids were getting so involved and invested in, in music and, you know, uh, professional music. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so when, when did you actually start um, getting really interested in music, like taking it really seriously? Yeah, um, I would say like as early as like sixth or seventh grade, like mm-hmm. middle school was a time where I I got my first guitar in middle school. Um, and uh, I started learning how to play, started teaching myself how to play piano. And I think because Ben and Sarah, my older siblings, were writing songs, um, I was already kind of exposed to that world of like, oh yeah, you can create something. You don't just have to uh, imitate or like, you know, just learn cover songs. Like you can just start writing, why not? Um, So I got really uh, interested and passionate about like writing lyrics and writing my own songs right away. And I think the first gig that I had was in like the eighth grade. My younger brother, Joe, actually played drums oh, wow. for me for a little while. Oh, it was nice. very emotional. I remember when he quit the band. I think we were like little <laughs> yeah, kids, yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm imagining like, you know, the, the biopics and this other stuff. <laughs> But that, but like pint-sized version with children. <laughs> yeah, I remember he just kind of one day was like, you know, start. I, 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 I want to play baseball. <laughs> how could you? You son of a bitch! Yeah, how could you do this to me? <laughs> Go on then, get out of here. <laughs> so I, I started. You know, I mean, I was writing a lot of original music at that time, and then getting into high school, starting my first like real ensembles real bands Uh um started like gigging like uh right away and that was when I also uh became exposed to jazz music for the first time was when I was in high school which Um, was very important for me what uh what made you connect with jazz so much I I think that it was an energy thing at first Mm -hmm. so I remember going to we had a club in Toledo called Murphy's Jazz Club uh, which is unfortunately not around anymore, but I got like the last little uh, taste of what that you know what that world was at Murphy's, mm-hmm. um, and I went out there in high school. Um, they would have open jam sessions for uh, musicians to sit in. There was a house band there, uh, Claude Black, who was a wonderful uh, mentor to a lot of people, a jazz pianist, and his uh, musical partner uh Clifford Murphy who is still around a uh, amazing bass player and uh, I remember going and hearing them you know playing this really energetic improvised music and that was like the only way I could describe it at the time because mm-hmm. I had no knowledge of jazz yeah I was like okay I'm feeling like this energy here I don't understand it at all um, and I think that's for some people that's like the barrier that they hit and then they walk away from it yeah but for me I was like I want to feel more of that. So I kept going back and I started listening um, to records and 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 listening to uh, modern, like current musicians like the Bad Plus um, and getting really invested and involved and going back and starting to learn tunes and actually sit in. Um, so I would say for me, it was the energy that kind of sparked the interest And uh, since I was so invested in music already, it was like, oh, I can write songs and then also have this improvisational element to it 
and uh, this different world of like harmony and and arranging and you know it's so exciting yeah seems like an intimidating world to get into yeah it's such like a it's uh, it's not like it, it, uh, people that are in it are so knowledgeable about it and like that's that's what they live eat and breathe obviously mm-hmm. you know uh so it seems like it might be was it a tough nut to crack kind of getting into it well i mean i definitely i just did a nice sign to the microphone <laughs> sorry sorry about that no, uh, great for effect <laughs> i'm gonna put that in my soundboard <laughs> yeah i it's interesting i mean you go through a lot when you decide that, you know, music or any sort of art form is going to be this, not just like a hobby or, or just a passion, but also a career. Um, so I will say that there were mentors like Claude Black who were really open to teaching young people and treated young people as artists Mm -hmm. in order to help them grow. So I really, appreciated those types of mentorships and collab you know collaborative relationships and I was lucky to have that early on um one thing that I did also encounter um was you know going into music for at in school academically which is a little bit of a different world Mm -hmm. uh because there are certain expectations and with jazz specifically um I mean, things can be put into a box yeah. um, with most art forms, I guess, you know, like... Like you mean, like, uh, it's got to be done a certain way. Done a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is interesting, because you feel like, you seem, jazz seems like it should be more expressing open. yourself and open, yeah. Well, and it is. Mm-hmm. But then when you put it into uh, an institution, yeah. there, I mean, you, you run into issues... Right? Like, you have to have certain standards for people to meet in order to, you know, move on to get a degree. Mm-hmm. So, I think inevitably there are certain like parameters and boxes that are drawn. And I don't necessarily think that is entirely a bad thing. Yeah. But as a student going through that, you have to figure out how do I uh, kind of go along that path while also forging my own. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky at University of Toledo to meet some of like my favorite um, musicians to play with now that are in my band. Um, I also met my uh, dear friend and mentor, um, Tad Weed, who unfortunately passed away uh, this past year. Um, but he was someone that was within that academic world who was just like, this brilliant, creative, totally like genius person who was always pushing me to to explore further, to expand like my creativity rather than rein it in to fit, uh, especially to fit a stereotype of a jazz vocalist, which yeah. I never felt like I uh, fit into. Well, um, what do you mean like by the stereotype of a jazz vocalist? Um, well, there are certain negative stereotypes that go along, uh, with, uh, jazz singing. Um, like, uh, someone who, um, doesn't communicate with, 
with instrumentalists, someone who doesn't know the theory or the history, but just gets up and sings a tune. Now, I'm saying like that's the negative yeah. stereotype. I'm not saying that that's true. Certainly, there right. are people that fit that mold. Yeah. Um, but they're not really, you know, usually musicians. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, it was also just like the mold of someone who is going to sing and interpret. Um, a standard like Ella Fitzgerald or mm-hmm. um, Sarah Vaughn, yeah. uh, who are artists that I greatly admire, but also um, don't quite um, e- evoke. Yeah. You know, like when people listen to my music, they're not necessarily thinking like Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, it's very unique. It's just, uh, I, I love composition. So for me, jazz uh, and improvisation is a way to explore composition yeah. further. Well, that's something I noticed with uh, um, this next song, uh, the, the, the first song you'll be showing in and the one of, uh, we'll be showing at the end. Um, but is that you you really, a lot of time when I listen to jazz vocalists, and it's not always true, but it's like the they're the driving force mm-hmm. of, of the piece. But uh, in yours, I mean, there are points where you be, your voice is the prominent piece of it but it's really used as a instrument uh, alongside the other ones as yes. part of the composition uh, rather than in the forefront of it uh, the, the whole time yeah that's that's very true and I think that that some of that also comes from like the fact that I really view myself as a composer so um, it's not always the case that I feel like the voice needs to be the prominent factor yeah um, Especially in jazz, I feel like. Yeah, it's just I love to hear how other instrument instruments can communicate a feeling or yeah. an emotion. Yeah. Um, and uh, this recording that we're going to listen to is with a group. I have like two um, main projects. One is just under my name, Star Cohen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that group plays all of my original music, always lyrical based. Um, the recording that we're about to listen to is with a group Uh, that is very collaborative called Talking Ear. And uh, this past year, we embarked on a project where every single month we needed to release and write a new composition um, along with a podcast called the On Creating uh, Podcast with Talking Ear where we get to like talk about, you know, how that process worked. So this is a piece that uh, came to be from that project. Awesome. Uh, And what's this piece called? Uh, This is called What Remains. Nice. All right. Well, here is What Remains by Talking Ear.
Let's see. <laughs> snap, snap. Is snapping is the appropriate response? You know, I, uh, in this situation, absolutely. Yes. If, uh, I <laughs> there's like a weird thing with jazz music when you're listening to it live that people, I think, don't know exactly what the appropriate way to respond is. Mm-hmm. So they kind of wait to, to see what other people do. Yeah. They clap after a solo. But like, I know that I feel like I'm doing a good job when I hear somebody go, woo! <laughs> <laughs> we should do that more on the podcast. Yeah. Someone makes a good joke, <laughs> woo! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I went to the DSO a couple months ago. Or not a couple months ago, like a month ago. Um, and... It was wild because, like, people wouldn't, like, you know, there's certain points in, like, symphonic orchestra, like, in, or, in whatever. You know, there's certain points where it sounds like the song's over, but it's really just going to the next, like, mm-hmm. part. Yeah. Uh, but everybody somehow knew that it wasn't the end of the song, <laughs> like, it, or that knew it wasn't the end of the piece. Uh, yeah. So it's like, you know, it would come to a close, and there would be, there wouldn't even be one person, like, you know, that one person that's like, is it, do we have mm-hmm. yet? No one. Everyone would be completely silent. And then when the actual piece is over, everyone at the same time is just clapping. I'm like, how do they know? <laughs> how do they know exactly when it's, it's over? Yeah. You know, someone might, might have went around ahead of time and they said. <laughs> All right. Is this going to end on a C major note? <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it was very impressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I love um, music with movements. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, it's and and Not and <laughs> I tend to think about that um when I'm writing my music is like I like them to have these different kind of well I think about it in terms of storytelling. Uh-huh. So um it's nice for things to kind of be able to take a shift, take a turn and then somehow weave its way back around and yeah. Yeah, so that sometimes that also makes it difficult to finish a piece. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> It's like, but I could also go here with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keep keep it going. And then it's 45 minutes on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you what is uh the I obviously the, the what we just listened to was a collaborative uh process, but what about when you're sitting down and working on your project, your uh your Esther Cohen mm-hmm. uh what is the songwriting process for that? How do you kind of approach that? Well, and how do you finish it too i guess is a good <laughs> yeah segue. yes and um i will say that it, it's very similar uh for the piece that we just heard um so i tend to work from the harmony first and when i um when i say harmony i i talk about like the i'm talking about the chord changes yeah. so like how the music is moving in that way yeah um i love piano I love playing the piano. So I usually sit at the piano and and work from an improvisational place first mm-hmm. to see what ideas can spark from that and uh how so you I just can... kinda doodling around on the the piano. Yeah. Find out trying to find something. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh usually it comes from an open place. So if I am letting go of expectations of yeah. what I uh, need to create, um, then usually I'm going to have an easier time. Interesting. How do you get into that headspace? The ground. Um, good question. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if I can like let go of of um, if I can allow myself 
say like 10 or 15 minutes to say, okay, I'm going to spend 10 or 15 minutes playing the piano and that's it. Like I am not going to have any sort of expectation of where that could lead. If I can just allow myself that little gift (laughs) ahead of time and be intentional about that, then it kind of helps me to relax and be more receptive to ideas instead of like forcing things. That being said, sometimes we're under a deadline. Like this week, like next week I'm going to record a string quartet project and I have to finish the music. So um, there's like different kind of, you know, pressure that comes along with that. But that's when you can kind of utilize like your, you know, your different experience like in school and and professional projects arranging and things and and start kind of pulling from that palette instead of like the total open inspirational place yeah um so i say that i i start there at the piano um trying to find a melody from that and then it's usually okay i am going to have some imagery that comes along with that um just allowing myself to be in the space of the music and and be open to like whatever types of like images that come to mind or um characters or or stories that I could explore there and and that's when I I write the lyrics usually nice um <clears throat> so you uh last year uh released uh your an album your album uh, live from Willis live at Willis uh, or is it what, live at Willis Sound? I, live at Willis Sound. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought I thought that's what it was, and mm-hmm. I wrote down live at Willis. <laughs> it's like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, how do you feel uh, like it um, differs from your debut album in 2014, Waiting for Dawn? Well, it's very different in the sense that, um, let's see, so about three or four years passed. Yeah. Um, and a lot changes in that time if yeah. you're you know working on your craft um you change as a person um i had gone through i mean i had moved to ipsy in that time from toledo i had finished school at university of toledo when i recorded waiting for dawn i think i was a sophomore in college mm-hmm. which is like a very different space to be in as a musician than yeah you know, a couple years out. Yeah. Um, so Live at Willis Sound was this culmination of working with this ensemble and and my friends, uh, Josh Silver, uh, Dan Palmer, Ben Rolston, Patrick Booth, Travis Ackerman. It's a group that I love to be in that live moment to moment kind of space. Yeah. So I thought, this is a good time to invite an audience, have a, a concert, a live show like we do, and let's just record it. Yeah. And I, I decided, like, I'm, I'm going to put it out no matter what we put out. Yeah, really. <laughs> that was an intentional decision. Like, so there are vulnerable moments um, on that record, um, you know, things that, like, you know, maybe aren't. perfect all the time, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of the nature (laughs) of it. (laughs) Um, And sometimes some beauty can come from that. Uh, And so that's, that's really what this, what Live at Willis Sound was about. 
And uh, it was also a documentation for me of my pieces at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, uh, after the release of this, uh, you were um, awarded with the Herb Alpert Young uh, Jazz Composers Award mm-hmm. and invited to perform at the Newport Jazz Festival. Yes. Which is kind of like a iconic legendary jazz festival yes uh and you were you were like handpicked and asked to be perform there right like you didn't apply or yes that's right so that's uh that must have been a pretty wild honor you know yes it it was very much a dream come true to receive that phone call yeah um and uh you know i as I as I keep going and and creating music and collaborating with people, it's just like this this journey that you take one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You try to plan ahead, but it can be difficult to see what's around the corner. Um, and I I have high expectations for myself in terms of what I do creatively, but I don't necessarily expect recognition in return. Yeah. Um, that's probably a good way to approach it. Yeah. I, 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 for me, it's just been, I don't know exactly why. And I don't know exactly where I got that from. Um, I think it has to do a little bit with like the working musician lifestyle of like, things can be going really well one moment and then you don't know the next. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, and it also comes from like doing original music and, some people digging it and other people uh, rejecting it and being through a lot of rejection. So, I mean, even with this uh, award, the ASCAP uh, Foundation Award, I mean, I had applied, I think, two or three times before that and, you know, had been quote-unquote rejected. Um, But that didn't uh, deter me from uh, keeping up writing and, like, bettering uh, my craft and applying, <laughs> continuously yeah. applying and just letting go. So even when I had applied to that thing, like I had just let go immediately and wasn't expecting anything. Yeah. So then to be recognized by um, artists that I really admire mm-hmm. and to be able to perform at Newport where, God, there's so many people that were performing this year that I just – admire so much and I got to collaborate with one of them uh Fabian Amazon um who uh played piano in our group uh joined us from New York um and uh yeah it was a very very special rewarding experience nice so um in addition to composing and and uh, making awesome albums uh you are also a teacher um yes music teacher um how did you kind of uh, get involved in that? And what's, what's, what would you say is your approach to teaching? Well, um, I my approach is that I think that everybody has their own unique voice yeah. and their own unique sound. So I, I'll, I'll preface by saying I teach composition and mm-hmm. arranging, uh, singing, piano, theory. Um, and uh, I, with singing, for instance... Um, it's a lot about finding someone's kind of natural voice and then helping them to develop that in whatever way is most true to them. Yeah. 
Um, and I find that to be the same with songwriting, uh, especially, is that I just want to help people <laughs> be able to uh, develop and establish their thing, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, so I, I love teaching, and I think that I naturally kind of gravitated to it mm -hmm. uh, while I was in school. Um, and uh, I... I mean, I love, I love teaching in all different types of regard. Uh, that's not a phrase that is used uh, <laughs> in all regards. All types of regard. In all types and of regard. And such and such. I'm just in my mind right now finding the right words. Um, forgive me, but uh, I I love like workshop settings too. Yeah. Um, so like I've done some some work with Earthwork Music, which is like a label. Um, in like northern Michigan where we've mm -hmm. gone and and worked with like big groups of kids to like write songs That's and awesome. perform them <laughs> um I also uh, have gotten to do some like incorporate some improv comedy into like workshops uh recently which which has been really rewarding um but uh I I I think that the best position that I can be in with teaching is when I feel like I'm also growing and learning from it. Mm -hmm. um, you create really personal connections with people. Yeah. And I, I feel that way with uh, a lot of my, my students now, you know. Nice. Very cool. Very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you I mentioned... guess I should say, too, that if anyone is seeking, oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, private teaching in that way. I, I do that out of Ann Arbor. So nice. Um, you also mentioned that you do improv comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you kind of get into that world and how does it differ? Like, how does it, I got to imagine there's some similarities between jazz and, and improv comedy, uh, just cause they're both improv. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of parallels. Um, I actually got to have a nice conversation with Jason Tamalia, uh, the owner of, um, one of the owners uh, of Pointless Brewery, Brewery and Theater, um, about the parallels of like music and and improv comedy, um, it's so interesting. I the way that I fell into it was, I mean, I loved comedy as much, just yeah. as much growing up. Oh really? Oh my god, Mr. Show. Oh yeah, <laughs> Stella. Yeah. Like I loved sketch comedy, and I think I was in college when I first discovered ASCAT, um, UCB stuff, going to New York to like visit my brother and like going to UCB and just feeling like, okay, I, that is something that I absolutely want to be a part of. That's awesome. Um, and I loved writing too, like in high school, like I wrote sketch comedy and um, just to write it or did, was there like a, did you have a platform for being able to actually, uh, just to write it, um, with friends and then also, um, we had like a little bit of a platform at our, at our school, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I just like, I love comedy. So, uh, it also felt like a trajectory that I could have gone down was like writing. Yeah. Um, and I chose to lean into music during college. But when I moved to Ypsilanti was right when Pointless was uh, opening. Nice. So it felt like this very kind of, uh, cool cosmic thing of like, oh yeah, like here's this improv theater opening like the weekend that I'm moving here. Yeah, that is so exciting yeah. and cool. <laughs> um, and it took me a while to like jump into classes. I think just like 
most people yeah. kind of dwell yeah. a little bit on on like, oh, is this something I can afford? Is this something that, you know, you'll like come up with Get a lot of excuses. Of, yeah. Um, and I, I then I finally did. And it's just been like the most incredible experience. And and now I, I work in some different troops and I'm working on my own sketch show with, with oh, some nice. friends. And yeah, it takes up, I think, just a uh as much time as music energy, yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what is this next song? Uh, you'll actually be performing live in the studio for us. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a tune that I wrote um, uh, probably a couple years back. Um, I was in Vermont with um, my boyfriend at the time, and uh, we were driving up this mountain really late at night. And we didn't really realize it. We were trying to get to our hotel. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, snowing. Um, we were lost. Uh, so we were going up this, like, mountain. And it was kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, and we got to this point where we were, like, on this cliff. Um, and we couldn't see that well. So we had to, like, make this decision, like, of should we try to turn around on this like cliff on this mountain um or are we gonna like keep going ahead even though we don't know what's ahead um and there was this really cool moment where we kind of paused and we like opened up the windows and there was this waterfall going and it was really peaceful and serene so there's like all these different emotions of like i feel really freaked out right now uh but it's also so beautiful um so i wrote this song the next day um so you lived Ah uh, yes, we lived. Okay. Yeah, but we had the next day. We were telling people about it, and they're like, "You went on that path last night. That is very dangerous." <laughs> wow. Uh, but I, I don't know. We, <laughs> we. I guess we didn't do uh, good enough research ahead of time. But that was on us. Um. So yeah, this is called Mountain Road. Out a hand in snow, 
I am silent. I am patiently waiting. Time was not meant for changing her. High on this mountain road Close to the edge we go Man, what a beautiful dang song, Esther. Thank you, Michael. Beautiful dang song. Thank you. Ah, hmm. Mm. <laughs> it's very different for me to perform solo, I will say. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more like vulnerable and still challenging yeah. for me at this point. Um, it's funny because it's like the way that I started, mm-hmm. like very early on, but I've Full been away circle. from it for so long. Yeah. Uh, because it's like I write music and then I kind of let people play interpret it, it yeah. interpret it. Um, and I get to kind of, I mean, I'm participating obviously vocally. But it's just like a different different thing yeah. to be out here with like a uh, uh, ukulele <laughs> um, uh, singing singing a song in that way. So well, you thanks for it. listening. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Uh, speaking of nailing it, I don't know if it's a good. <laughs> That's always a good husband segue. and wife duo. <laughs> uh, you guys might be familiar with them. Uh, you might be familiar with them too, Esther. They are maybe as famous as the Carters, Jay Z and Beyonce. Um, they're pretty popular, pretty well-known couple. Uh, I'd say a power couple even. Uh, they, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I don't know your first name. It's Gertrude. Gertrude. I beg your. It's it's, it's, go by Mrs. Uh, please welcome everybody. Mr. And Mrs. Claus, Santa and, uh, and Gertrude Claus. Don't understand. I guess it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. An early Merry Christmas to you. Oh, thank you. Oh, Chris. Thank you so much, mm. Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Claus. Honey, you know how it is. I have to work in my holiday. Can't you just leave it at home once? I try to. Come on, let's not get started here. So, um, oh. I have a question. You have a lot of names. Uh, are you hiding something? Hmm. I had it legally changed. Legally. Yes. Don't you live in the North Pole, a uh, ungovernmented land? We have our own sovereign nation. Oh. Interesting. Mm. Uh, so I really just had to talk to myself. Wow. So you're the president. Mm. Hmm. I'm more of a prime minister. Oh, okay. We're ardent socialists. Oh, okay. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. I would have expected that. I mean, you do distribute gifts every year. I'm warming up to Marxism. Oh, really? Yes. You look like Karl Marx. Oh, the beard! Yeah, the beard. <laughs> and the pudgy, and you—you uh, you looking good though. You, I feel like you've lost weight less since the last time I sat on your lap. Been doing some cardio. Thank you for letting <laughs> me sit on your lap during this interview, by the way. That's fine, Mikey. Yeah. Well, you, you, well, you prefer Michael now, right? Well, you're you all grown up. Me, you can call me whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So you're. I have legal a surprise name. for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. You bought me something. Here it is. Oh. 
I thought a little bit of nostalgia was in order. It's a pog, like a, a, a Michael Jordan pog. Yes. From the 90s. Do you remember when you asked for that as a I, little boy? I do. I forgot I even wanted this. You did. I did. I did. Brings a lot. back memories, right? <laughs> when I was six years old, I really wanted this. He, yes. He never forgets. He never forgets. Except for that year. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't remember that year or the years following. Well, right? technically, it's a duplicate. Well, my I friend just, actually got me pogs last year. I grow stronger with my magic. The more nostalgia <laughs> and Christmas people feel in their heart. Estar, here's this one for you. Oh, thank oh. you. That's also a Michael Jordan pog. <laughs> remember Did when you, you asked for a... that? I was trying to impress my brothers. Yeah. Michael it seems like Michael you might have just had an overstock on Pogs. <laughs> you're just giving them out. A lot, of, a lot of little boys and girls asked for that that year. 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> they didn't produce enough for us to be no. able to share them amongst all the children, so we so, we had to keep a record. We so asked for the that? limited edition foil ones, too. Oh. We got the regular stock stuff. That's well, fine, though. We do have some foil ones. So back. many disappointed children <laughs> that so, year. So... Oh, we're collectors. So, Are you okay, Mikey? Yeah, I'm Michael. Sorry, <laughs> you call me whatever you want. <laughs> so, how does that distri- distribution work? Because back in the day, your elves would just like make the wooden horses and the mm. toys and all and the stuffed bears. But now there's this whole, you know, capitalist consumerism. Mm. Like people want a Nintendo Switch for for wink, 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 Santa. People, I know. Some people want a Nintendo Switch for mm. Christmas. Uh, some people want well, you've um, been very good, so Michael Jordan might... Pog. Some people want a CD player. <laughs> Again. So do you outsource from like Phillips CD or player? Nintendo? 2018? No. We haven't gotten a request for oh. a CD player. I'm just long. using it as an example of something that <laughs> you're I can elves... get you a CD player if you want <laughs> that instead easy. of your Switch. Yeah. I don't want... I'd rather have a Switch. Okay. Um, but to answer your question, we've sent some of our elves to, elves to school for electrical engineering. Oh. But you do order some things from, like, the Michael Jordan Pogs. Like, you ordered those, no, yeah? No, we, well, what we've done is we've sent them to school for electrical engineering, for, mm. for MBAs. So now we actually have them infiltrated into the multinational corporations, and they essentially give us any of the lost goods. Oh, yes. oh that sounds like a pretty good system. Our <laughs> secret elves skim <laughs> off the top. Does it? They do. Yeah. Does it sound like a good system? Well, it's obviously working. No, I got my pogs 20 years later. Well, we only just adopted this system mm. within the past eight years, Michael. Well, then how have you people <laughs> been getting, like, PlayStation 1s for Christmas and stuff? That's but... why we kept not getting the gifts to kids. Oh, it's parents that get the the, 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 the high-end electronics. Well, yeah. not Good. always. Sometimes I show up and there's already one underneath the tree. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. So then what I do is I secretly return theirs and give them a credit. <laughs> oh. Yes. Well, I mean, it also would have been uh, just maybe less work for you if you would have just put a from Santa over the from mom and dad. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the, why didn't I have you around, says my master elf? I mean, good question. I'm not an elf, though. That's probably why. But you're the thinking man's elf if you were an elf. Could have really helped you with your clout with the kids. Yes. And oh. you also could have defined clout for me. No. No? I won't. Um, Maybe I'll get myself a dictionary <laughs> this year. I have a question, uh, if I may. Um, do Do regular human people ever, like, come and become... A part of the system, or like, do you mm-hmm. have to be born in that, like, yeah. at in the North Pole, or like, how does that work to mm-hmm. become an elf? Connie, do you want to take this one? We have a very, very strict vetting process. Okay. 
And often what you have to be an elf, but not everyone's born an elf. You can right. become an elf. We really? have a master plastic surgeon okay. who will shorten the limbs. So being an elf is just cosmetic. There's no internal differences. Well, some of it is you're born that way. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's born with it. Maybe it's not an elf, right? But <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. Well, we tried that. It didn't. No. It wasn't convincing. No. They they killed that one. Um, oh boy! But the the ones that aren't born elves, if they show that they really have the metal for for the work, then we're mm-hmm. happy to have them undergo the procedures. Again, we're ardent socialists. We pay for it. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And then they Even live for outsiders. I'm sorry. Even for outsiders. Yes. Do you have yes. to become a citizen of the North Pole? Oh, of course. What yeah. kind of people do you usually get in if there is like a certain type? Yeah. That want to become elves. All walks of life. Really? really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. You just have to have the Christmas spirit inside of you. You've got to want to give. you got to want to mm. give. And often they're trying to run from something, and they run ah. to us, to our open arms. And, and after they've put in about three years of servitude, mm-hmm. then they can go in and get the procedures done. And, Wait, and, sir, three, mm. wait, hold on. Wait, what is a servitude? Well, they've got to pay off the cost of the, mm. okay. of the surgery. But what is... Sure. We can't totally. eat that cost. Right, no. exactly. Uh, but what, uh, that what money kind has of... to come from somewhere. Right, yeah. But what kind of uh, servitude? You get what we're saying? I hear you. You do? I, I'm, I, okay. I hear you with the implication. Uh, I want to hear you say what it is that you make the people do, though, before well, they get the surgery. Well, we make them work. They have to cook. They have to clean. Oh. They have to make the toys. And okay. if once they've been, you know, on our... On our rosters for about fifteen years, then they can, you know, they can put their name on the list to so possibly go to school. I thought you said three years. Well, no, that's that's when they can get the surgery. Oh, yes, yeah. Do they and become then... immortal when they become elves? No. Uh, uh so no, nothing weird though. You don't put them to work doing anything kind of. Well, any... that's a very subjective question. Oh well, what's weird to one person could not be weird to another. <laughs> You're that's person. true. Talk, that's true. You're one to yes. talk. Well, it, the way you said servitude, it made me think of sexual, like... Well, it's just, laundry. it's... I think you're going to have to feel that one, Christopher. Well, hmm. we were supposed oh, no. to save this for couples counseling on Tuesday. This is kind of like a counseling office. Yeah, it's a, That's a good cold point. room. All right, let's get it it's out there. I'm, I'm tired of opening up the bedroom. Christopher, you're, you're always so distant. About four months out of the year, especially this time. And well, I, he is working hard. Yeah, you know it's my business. Christmas busy. is literally one week away from today. I have, I, I have I certain have stresses needs. you can't possibly understand. I would, I've been by your side for 150 years. You think I don't understand the stress, but can you once take me to Palm Springs? Just yes. once, Chris? We have the whole summer we can do that, oh, but you're like, oh, this, this month doesn't work for me. It's tourist season. You know I don't like tourists. So when you say open up the bedroom, what does that mean? He yeah. lets the elves in. What? You want to know about the oh. weird stuff, he lets the elves in. And they and uh, has intercourse with the elves? Well, we both do. Oh. I mean, it's poly. We're open about that. Okay, so you're always... I thought it was a good idea. So mm-hmm. you're always open, like like you always involve Mrs. Claus. Yes. Yeah. I kind of regret it now, though, because there mm. are no female elves. Oh. And That's fine. I, you know, the whole reason... There's no female elves? No. Mm. Really? No. Oh. How do In they movies, reproduce? Hello? You have to be born. Oh, what? You? Mrs. Yes. Claus? They're all your children? Yeah. That oh, makes it... Oh, wow. He, he brings the presents, and I bring the elves. Wait, are you the father? 
of no, all the no. elves. Each no. individual elf has sex with Mrs. Claus, and then that's how more elves. And that's are how made. more elves are made. Well, I, so you're. I'm, oh boy. I'm a lo- loving, loyal wife. Christopher is always there. But then you have sex with the elves as well. Well, yes. That's how more. That's how we have the natural elves. I'm actually. I'm. 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 I can't have kids. I can't conceive them. So why? Well, it's the cold. Yes, it's too cold. <laughs> it's very. I've heard it's very cold. Yeah, yeah. these little human testicles can't take the chill. They can't. Well, he's an elf too, right? Like a jolly old elf. <laughs> no, I had the loophole. Well, yeah, you know the Santa Claus that movie. It's based oh, yeah. on a true story. You killed. You killed uh, the old Santa Claus. Well, I mean, they took liberties. I don't mean more to retirement. Uh, change the subject too much, but do you have any, um, like, memories or, like, stories that specifically stand out to you of, like, a, a, a special gift that you got to give to a kid? Oh, yeah. Like, at some point in time. Oh, yes. There's so many stories. Where to begin? Um, one, there, was a, there was a little girl named, named Cindy Louise. Yeah. I forgot her last name. It was Farnsworth, honey. It was Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Cindy, Thank you, honey. Cindy Lou Farnsworth. Yes. And she asked for a little wooden horse. Mm. And it was so cute because that was just about five years ago and no one ever really asked for oh. those. <laughs> yeah. So she was very unique. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, one, yeah. no one asks for the good stuff anymore. She lived in Prague. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. And I delivered it and... You know, she <laughs> stayed up late. She saw me, and her face lit up, and <laughs> she said in her own native language that I can understand, <laughs> Santa. Aw. And she was beaming from ear to ear with a smile. That's so sweet. Squeezing my knee. It warmed my heart. <laughs> she hasn't stopped talking about it since, that little girl. Wow. It, it's good to feel wanted. It's not exactly good. Oh. It's not exactly good praxis to to interact with the children on Christmas Eve, is it? No, but it's an occupational hazard sometimes. Mm. Sometimes I forget some of the sleepy dust when the kids are awake. Mm. I run out sometimes. Yeah. And that sometimes sounds... I'm just So like, you drug the children. Well. Yeah, I don't it's like magic. the sound of sleepy dust no, at all. <laughs> I don't like it. It's magic. <laughs> Everyone loved magic. It's only now in modern times people are like, why? You know? It's problematic. It's Just problematic. don't ask why. No, it's fine if you don't ask You know, why. this all started because I had anxiety about being in public. Oh, yeah? That's why because he Because most of the year I'm not in public. No. I'm, I'm a little bit of an agoraphobe. Mm. Now, are you the, the mall Santa as well? Or those imposters? No. You're those, not? Those, well, imposters is You've never mean. been a mall Santa? No. You never sat in a mall or in a, a Well, I mean, I've sat in malls <laughs> when it's not my busy season. Yeah. I'll go to the food court. Oh, so, you, okay, Panda so sometimes. I'll, I'll dabble in the Panda Express. Sometimes I'll, like, see somebody and be like, Orange oh, that Julius. looks like Santa. So that's you sometimes. Yes. I, you know, I trim up my beard and mm-hmm. I just look like an old guy, yeah. you know, getting a smoothie from... The smoothie hut. Yeah. Gretchen, Good. when did you first meet Gertrude? Gertrude. Gertrude. Yes, thank you. Oof. Gretchen is her sister. Shit. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to ask my question. I just feel no, bad. You got it. You got it. Please. It's okay. Please. Uh, Gertrude, um, I was just wondering when you two met. Mm-hmm. We met about, oh, goodness, 
Uh, it was, uh, it was back in, in Indiana, and, uh, mm. it was late at night. It was Christmas. It yeah. was Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was a young, I was a young lady. I was a little girl, about 14. Oh, I, boy. <laughs> I see Christopher, and I just, I just thought, take me with you. And, and she he, asked for a little wooden horse. I did. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And he went, and I worked in his shop, and, and he was like he was like a mentor to me for a long time. And, and hey. then, you know, eventually, he was always a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He was always a gentleman. And, and then eventually, you know, one thing led to another, mm. and we started to... I started to make him his sandwiches and his cookies, and and then you know we started to hold hands and we dance, and before you knew it, 150 years later, I'm popping out elf kids every <laughs> single year. She really is. It's amazing. It's a very brief so gestation a, period. So how do you how have you lived for this long? Being that you're a, right a normal Christmas magic, right? Well, it's kind of like cryogenic based science. It's so cold that oh, okay. the the cell deterioration slows down. How are you still <laughs> being able to produce babies? You know, I think it's the elf semen. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. But good. Don't. What do they say? Don't knock it till you try it. Actually, it actually smells like cinnamon and hot cocoa. It's, oh. it's a, the Christmas spice is inspired by elves. Mm. Not many people know that, but it's true. Is that what candy canes are? Just hardened elf. No, that's peppermint. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so, so pe- candy canes aren't anything weird. Mm. That's the misfit toy semen. What? What does that mean? What does that Remember mean? the island? Yes, island of misfit toys. Yes, mm-hmm. that's real. Peppermint. And they ejaculate, and you make candy canes out of yes. there. Yes. Oh boy. We very much believe in reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh huh. Oh, know. that's good. No very... one wants to know how the sausage is made. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> Goodness. In this no. case, semen. <laughs> oh, God. It sounds like semen is the main ingredient of a lot. Yeah, it seems like it's yes, a it's prevalent a... aspect of your guys' life. Well, it's <laughs> half of what creates life, so... It's yeah. an abundant resource. Yes, it never stops. Yeah, we should... And there are so many elves. <laughs> we should start powering cars with it. <laughs> Remember that summer when cinnamon was very popular? The, yeah. cinnamon, the cinnamon challenge? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't we know. We had way too is. many elves. Like, take, a, take a, a spoonful of cinnamon yes. and... and Put it in their mouth and yes. they usually throw and up. It was actually <laughs> elf semen. Yeah. Huh. And what what happened was that <laughs> not enough people were requesting gifts early enough, and there's just all these elves sitting around with nothing to do. And you know oh. what elves do when they've got nothing to do? Masturbate. Bingo. <laughs> so well, someone's seen some elves masturbate before. No, I just I was just guessing. You're just a guesser. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I come back from Saint Lucia's. And I see that there's the whole place was just covered in elf semen. So I open up the drapes. I let it dehydrate, you know, because why let it go to waste? And we basically paid a couple of kids to put it in their mouths, put it on the YouTube, and and the rest is history. Yes. Oh, God. We placed a call to McCormick, bottled that stuff up, sent it for the stores. As candy canes, correct? No, cinnamon. 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 Oh, cinnamon. Yes. You know the spice company, McCormick, that's in nearly every store? Uh, Don't be so saucy, Santa. 
<laughs> what? It's They've amazing. got great distribution. It's amazing that you were able to take the time out of your busy season to come on to come all the way down to Detroit and be on this. I podcast. was about to ask mm. about that. Yeah. What are you guys doing in town? Yeah, what are we doing here, Christopher? <laughs> we're just um you know, you always want to get away and during my busiest time and I thought maybe we could get away. And while I'm here I could visit family. Oh. Oh that family. Sure. I oh, know. <laughs> You have a separate family? He has the, the family before I came. Oh. Mary. Oh. Other elves? No, no. No. It was Mary. My human family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they must be dead at this point, yeah? Or a lot of them must be... Uh, <laughs> like, it must it's just their be their grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> that was over 150 years ago. They have a very old picture with me in it. Uh-huh. I just looked like an old man back then. They're like, they, yeah. w- they didn't Nothing know. like the way you look now. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot like how I look now. Yeah. They say, oh, you have a strong resemblance to our great, 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 great grandfather. And you're like, yes, genes. Maybe not that great. A little great. <laughs> so they don't know you're Santa Claus? No. Oh, wow. I can't tell them. Otherwise, they'll be hitting me up for things all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know family. So yeah. yeah. I had one family once that... When I told them, they kept asking for presents all the time. A different family? Yes. How many families do you have? Well, just the three. Okay. Yes, but I had to get rid of them because they uh. just were constantly nagging. What do you mean get rid of them? You know what I mean. You killed them? Sleep, yes. Sleep does. Oh, God. They just, it was incessant, nonstop. And then they tried to blackmail me and mm. say... We're going to go to the press if you don't give us the presents. It was great, though, because as I understand it, you know, it was really, there wasn't a lot of seal that year, and so, you know, the reindeer had to eat. Oh, God. Mm. That's true. You remember. Yeah. That's a little disturbing. That's very disturbing, I would say. What other kind of, like, circle of life, dirty work do you get into? Yeah. It sounds like a... It's uh, mostly just that. Murder, well, murder and feeding dead bodies and then elf semen and Well, sometimes if I run out of my magic sleepy dust and an adult sees me. Oh dear, the silence really freaks me out. <laughs> then an orphan is made. <laughs> you murdered the parent because they saw you. Yes. Oh I'm, boy. I'm a horrible agoraphobe, and I cannot be viewed. What do you think about... I'm looking at you right now. Uh-oh. I'm going to... I, you know what? Have you seen the movie Men in Black? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> that eraser? Yes. I made that up. I'm going to oh. use this after the interview. You could have just used that on the parents you killed. Oh, well, we just got Oh, him. this guy. <laughs> we just made it. You, are you sure you're not in the, the, the running to be an elf? You don't want to take up the cause? You would come on up. We'd be happy to have so you. So many know, good the more ideas. We talk, at the beginning, I was really open to the idea. The more we talk, the more the North Pole seems like a horrible hellscape of murder and You afraid to get your hands dirty? <laughs> Just think of it, Michael. Depends on what, the, what you mean. Depending on how much you produce, you could get a cut of the McCormick sales. Yes. Why are you winking at me? I'm just trying to make a point. Uh-huh. I think that you would be a welcome addition to our elf family. Okay. Cinnamon on demand. Oh, boy. 
Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Are you sure? I think so. <laughs> Thank you for more than enough time. We appreciate you having okay. me. Oh, boy. Uh, so, Estar, uh, thank you so much for joining us oh, on the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, where can people find more from you? Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to my website, which is estarcohenmusic.com. Uh-huh. Um, I have, uh, I'm going to be at the ARC um, on February uh, 26th, so that'll be exciting um tell and, noah uh, hi for me sorry tell noah hi for me oh oh yes of course so, that's sorry that's some old humor <laughs> uh, that's an old testament joke yes i uh, knew him yeah oh yeah it's real <laughs> <laughs> good to know um you can also come and see uh, uh my new sketch show with a group called mr tasty um we have a Facebook page, Mr. Tasty Comedy, um, on January 26th, and uh, I'm at Go Comedy every Sunday with uh, Moon Monster, 7 p.m., and uh, going to be doing stuff at Pointless uh, every Thursday starting in March. So Busy, busy. Yes. Uh, so what is this last song going to be showing us called? Um, this song is called Endings. Uh, this is actually the tune that... Um, uh, led to all of the great stuff with ASCAP um, and Newport. So nice. uh, this is a song that I submitted and ended up uh, the they selected. Piece. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Also off of the Willis Live at Willis Sound nice. album. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys all so much for being on the show, uh, and we will be back next week uh, with uh, more fun, you guys. Uh, actually, I can I can tell you right now who will be. Who will be here next week? Uh, next week, we will be joined by Duende. So look forward to that. Uh, and we will be back next week with more fun. Here is Esther Cohen with Endings. Bye. Bye. Beside you again Eyes glued to the ceiling 
this changes I can't seem to break from the years we have already spent Not anymore. 
Michael Debris Variety Hour is powered by Pinecast and is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network. Please remember to subscribe and review the show on iTunes if you're so inclined. Find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Michael Dupree VH. The theme song for the Michael Dupree Variety Hour is Don't Weigh Me Down by Broadcast 2000. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.